0: Grace Family Church of Rhode Island presents Word of Hope, a sermon series with Pastor Luciano Cotzi. God, today we ask you to hear our prayers. We ask for healing in a day where we are so connected to the world. Set us apart. In a time of great unrest and uncertainty, we ask for holiness. So search our hearts, renew our minds, and help us love like you love us. Make us holy. Use us to do your will on this earth. God, today we ask that you would restore us Gather up the bits and pieces of our souls and mend them with your loving hand. Search out those parts that we try to hide from you. Today, God, we invite you in. Our faith is in Jesus Christ. We trust you. May we be set apart for you. May we be holy.
1: Well, brethren, the Apostle Paul left us quite an amazing example of prayer. Um, in a number of occasions, we refer back to the Apostle Paul to, to learn, to learn what praying is really all about. But the way he was praying, the way he was praying may just surprise some of us. Think about it. How do we usually pray? Give it a thought. Paul would ask God to fill us all with knowledge of his will. God would ask, I mean, Paul would ask God to grant us all all the spiritual wisdom that we may bear fruit in every good work, and that we may attain to all steadfastness and patience. But that doesn't sound like the typical prayer that we hear today, does it? It's easy, especially when we face major challenges, to have our hearts inwards it's all about me it's all about what I need but you don't see that in the Apostle Paul and yet his life was not easy not easy at all and he had major hurdles to overcome so how can we regain a heart like that how can we return such a vivid faith. Thank you. Paul in the letter to the Colossians provided the answer to that as well. We're going to read from Colossians chapter 1 beginning with verse 1. Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid out for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth. The gospel, which has come to you, just as in all the world, also it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even it has been as it has been doing in you, also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras our beloved and fellow bond-servant, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf. And he also informed us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transformed us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now, brethren, if it sounded a little difficult to read, maybe the reason is because all of that is just four sentences. Two short sentences, one at the beginning, one at the end of this passage, and the remaining is just two sentences. Yeah, Paul packed a great deal in it. But let's see what Paul had to say, what Paul had to teach, because I think it's very important, but we need to break it down, we need to address it in a different way. Well, not in a different way, but in, a, in more detail. So Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ to our, uh, Colossae, grace to you and peace from God the Father. That sounds like a greeting, and, and it is. Paul introduces himself, but he does it in a more formal way because he had not been a Colossus yet. People in that church did not quite know him personally, so he, and also he had to correct, to counteract the influence of Gnosticism in that church in Colossae. So he introduced himself a little more formally. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now let's look at that for a second. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. What's an apostle? An apostle, first of all, is one who is sent out. And is an apostle of Jesus Christ, it means that Jesus Christ himself sent him out. Um, to represent him. And let me, hold on, please forgive me. Is your mic on? think that should do it. Sorry for the interruption. So he introduces himself a little more formally as an apostle of Jesus Christ, one who is sent by Jesus Christ. Now if you remember the time of the conversion of the apostle Paul, you remember that Jesus Christ appeared to him in person, showed him how blind he was to the truth, even though he thought he knew everything. He was actually blind to the truth. But then, as the Gospel was shared with the Apostle Paul, or soul of Tarsus at that time, God then restored his eyesight. Meaningful, if you think about it. So Paulina is an apostle, someone sent out by Jesus Christ, by the will of God, not by choice. We don't choose to be sent by God. That's kind of presumptuous. God sent me. We can make ourselves available to God, but it's God's choice whether we go we are sent or not. And Timothy our brother, Timothy was part of those who contributed to this letter and we find Timothy with Paul frequently and mentioned together. To the saints and faithful brethren in Christ. Now the saints, or the holy ones. Isn't it nice to be called saints? Now, saints not in the sense of being canonized, but saints in the sense that we are the chosen one, we are the holy ones, the ones that are set aside for God and for his service. But notice also, it talks about the congregation as faithful brethren. Faithful meaning believers. Those who accepted Christ, those who believed in Jesus Christ, are now called saints. You are called saints. But notice the expression here. Saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae. Now there are two expressions that indicate location, and in the Greek they use the same word, but in the translation now, in order to get to help us grasp the meaning of the, the, the way it would be understood, it's translated slightly differently. It says the first uh, position is in Christ, the second one at Colossae, and the way it's translated is because the primary position that we have is in christ the secondary is geographic in Colossae. Colossae. but what did he say grace to you and peace from god our father grace and peace are common in paul's greetings but they're common and they're present in all 13 of his epistles because they're meaningful they're important it's about grace it's the grace of god toward all of us, and the peace that God grants us, peace with Him, restoration, redemption, it's all included in there. But let's see a little more of what Paul shared with the Colossians, verses three to five. We give thanks to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the Word of Truth, the Gospel. So we give thanks to God. Paul starts by giving thanks to God. Thanks to God for what? For good health, for wealth, for a good day, for a sunny day. Nothing wrong with that, necessarily, but he gives thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for the Colossians. He gives thanks for them, for what God has done in and through them. is thankful for, for what? For the faith, you're going to recognize these three words: For the faith that God has given the Colossians for the love that God has poured in their hearts, that is expressed toward all of the saints, and for the hope that is laid for them in heaven. you recognize those three? Faith, hope, and love. It's the same thing that Paul mentions in 1 Corinthians 13, but now faith, hope, and love abide. But these three, but the greatest of these is love. Faith, hope, and love are essential for spiritual well-being. There's, that's what God does in us, that's what God pours in our heart and how He sustains us. It's our lifeline in a way. And it comes from the gospel, the good news, the good news that God has shared with us So faith, we trust God. Why? Because God told us that all is going to be okay. Now, brethren, we we look around and we don't see everything going okay, do we? We look at this world and, and, and we wonder. In fact, we look at this world and go before God and say, Lord, may your kingdom come soon because we're making a mess in this world. But we trust. We trust God. We trust His promise. He will return. He will come back. And He will set things right. Love. Do we need to talk anymore about the love of God? How much God loves us? We talked about it a great deal. We explained it. He was willing to change his very nature for us, making himself human as well as God, fully human, fully God, for us. He was willing to suffer for us. He took upon himself our pain, our suffering, our sorrow, our sinfulness. love is a giving, and a giving of oneself for the, per- for the benefit of the person that we love. Isn't that what Jesus Christ did? Isn't that what God did? To give himself for you, for us. Hope. A well, hope that comes from the promises of God. The hope that comes is this is not just I hope so type of feeling. This is hope that comes from God's declaration that everything is going to be okay. That everything is going to be fine. The the hope laid up for you in heaven. Look, we're going to go through trials in this life. We're going to go through difficulties. But why do we persevere? Why do we go on? Not because we are masochists, not because we we want to, to hurt more, but because God has given us indelible hope. God has given us a hope that nothing can erase. The hope that we have in him that comes from the gospel. The good news, the good news that God has an awesome, awesome plan for you, for us. But let's continue and we'll catch a little more, which has come to you just in all the world. Also, it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even if as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. The Gospel the Gospel doesn't go out without accomplishing what is sent to do. The Gospel has reached the Colossians, the Gospel has reached us. And just as it does in all the rest of the world, it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing in that fruit. And it's, doing, it's been doing that all, all along, ever since we heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. I remember, and I, and I had to chuckle and smile because so much has changed. But I remember when God first called me and how little I understood. I was so confused. God had, had to have a lot of patience with me. I was so confused. But ever since then, there's always been a little bit of a progression. Oh, I got something new. And it's exciting, isn't it? Isn't it exciting when you open the Bible and you read something you read for a long time and all of a sudden, whoa, I didn't see that before. But it makes sense. And the more we read it, the more we understand it, the more we see that it's consistent. Lately God has shown me that from Genesis 1 all the way to the end of Revelation, There is a clear, consistent, single message that has a few parts to it, but a child can understand. And one of the components of that message, one of the few parts, is so simple and yet so profound that changes everything. God calling us from ever since the beginning to trust Him, not ourselves. Not our senses. Not what we can see or feel or go through. No, but trusting Him. It was the same for Adam and Eve. Of course, they blew it. And it's the same for us today. Who do we trust? The other aspect, there are a few others like God's love. But we talked about it before and we'll talk about it again. Verses 7 and 8. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf, and he also informed us of your love in the Spirit. Now, we're not talking about gossiping here. We're talking about Paul inquiring on the well-being of the church in Colossae. We're talking about interest. Love. Just like when we come together and we we talk to each other and say, How are you doing? How are things for you? And we share in that communion that God has given us. Now learn it from Epaphras. A beloved fellow bond servant, bond servant of Christ, a faithful servant of Christ. Wouldn't you love to be called that? you can be. You can be. But we need to be steadfast. We need to continue in that trust. We need to continue in that faith. The faith that God has given us, the trust that God has given us, God himself has placed it within us and we need to continue to walk in it. But notice that he also informed us of your love in the Spirit. Now, how many things could Epaphras share with Paul about a congregation, who knows, maybe hundreds, I don't know. But what did he choose to share with the Apostle Paul? Their love in the Spirit. Paul, here's the important thing about this church. God's love is in them and is being expressed through them. That's awesome. You know, I share things about you with a district pastor. And you know what I tell them? The love of God is visible. The love of God is present. It's being expressed through them. That's what's important. I'm not going to tell them it's the best congregation in the world. I'm not telling them it's the prettiest congregation in the world or the wealthiest but I'm telling them that church is expressing God's love because that's the truth and it's visible, it's evident and I praise God for that daily. But let's continue. For this reason also Since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Verse 9. For this reason also, so part of that reason is what God has done in that congregation. Since the day we've heard of it, Paul says, so since the day that he was informed that that, The love of God is being expressed in and through them that they are bearing fruit. Since they heard of the faith, the love, and the hope that is present in that congregation, Paul has not ceased to pray for them. Now, it doesn't mean that every second of the day Paul is praying, but it means that whenever Paul was praying, he was remembering them he was praying for them to ask that they may be filled with a knowledge of god's will just not just any knowledge please not just any knowledge but the knowledge of the will of god a relational a relational knowledge of god a relational knowledge of his will a relational knowledge that enable them to connect with him to be in communion in oneness with him, and then express that oneness express that communion in their life and in all spiritual wisdom and understanding now there are four things that Paul is going to share in this coming passage and the first one we see it right there to know God and to know God's will. Do we know God? You might say, well, okay, that's, a, that's a silly question, isn't it? Not so silly. Because I didn't ask you, do you know about God? I asked you, do you know God? Now, I knew about my wife before we, we were married, when we first met, I knew about her but after 40 years of marriage, I know her. It takes a relationship, doesn't it, to really know someone. Not just about someone. So the first thing that Paul brings up is that we, we are granted this amazing privilege, and we need to then embrace that, the amazing privilege of knowing God and His will. To enter in that communion, in that fellowship, in that relationship with them. And embrace that. Verse 10 So that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please Him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Paul is fond of phrases like that because he wants the people that he writes to to understand one thing. God has not called us to just talk the talk. The gospel is communicated by action and words. But those words are not supposed to be stale. Those words are not supposed to just be absorbed and, and left in there. Those words are life living words that are supposed to make a difference. They are transformational. They change us. And as they change us, we walk, we live differently in a manner worthy of the Lord to to please Him and to please Him in no respect. Now, how how is that going to be possible? Well, Paul says it here, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So it doesn't call us to be perfect like boom, immediately, all of a sudden, right? Now listen, we've been, my wife and I, we've been married for 40 years and yeah, we know each other. But surprisingly, we still find out things about each other. And that's good. It's good because it's a it's a, an aspect of growth. It's an aspect of closeness and communion. And that's what needs to happen with God as well. God has called us to that kind of relationship with Him. And as He is active in us, as our communion is not just theoretical but lived, then we bear fruit in every good work and we increase in, in, in that closeness, in that fellowship, in that communion, in that knowledge of Him. Knowledge that is not theoretical, but knowledge that is very practical. And that pleases God. What pleases God is, is just that, that we get to know Him better and better and bear fruit because of his presence. Now, by by the way, we'd like to remind you that he's talking about fruit, not works. Remember in Galatians 5, we just looked at it recently, that Paul was inspired by God to make a, a clear distinction between the works of the flesh, not good, and the fruit of the Spirit, very good, right? Here he's talking about bearing fruit A fruit that is in evidence that we are connected to the right tree. And that is Christ. Increasing in the knowledge of God. Verse 11. strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience. You know, you, you, you don't read the whole thing in here and you may misunderstand it. Strengthen with all power, be strong, be strong and have a good courage, you read in the Old Testament. It's one of those phrases that always makes me chuckle because, you know, whenever you hear God saying, don't be afraid, there's always a reason to be afraid. And he's just telling us now, you don't need to be afraid, even though it's scary don't need to be afraid so likewise when he says be strong and of a good courage that means you're going to be facing something that is going to test your strength and your weakness is going to be manifest but in my weakness his strength is made perfect and I've seen it so many times God is good and he strengthens us but that's what Paul was praying for that congregation, for that church. The God would strengthen them with all power according to his glorious might. Now there are, I could talk forever on this. I am saddened when I hear churches bragging about what they have. Of course, if they were bragging about Christ's presence, okay, you're praising God. But usually I don't hear it. I usually hear the church bragging about some of their ministries or their building or their leadership or things of that nature. Look at this phrase again. strengthened with all power according to his glorious might strengthened with all power why? because God is mighty God is glorious so do we want to praise something? we need to praise God and Paul was praying for the Colossians so that they would not lose sight of that that this is from God not from them Paul is not thanking God because they are powerful and strong and mighty. No. Paul is praising God because God is gloriously mighty mighty in them. For the attaining of all steadfastness and patience joyously. Steadfastness to hold the ground to stand firm, to not be moved. And patience, oh boy. You know, have you ever prayed for patience? You know what happens? That God lets you have patience. But together with that, it gives you a reason to exercise patience, doesn't it? Because patience is one of those things that without a reason for it, well, it's no big deal, is it? But then he adds the word joyously. So for the attaining of all steadfastness, standing firm and patient. That kind of sounds like long-suffering too, doesn't it? We stand firm and we're going to be patient and we're going to be joyously patient. I wonder, you know, I have to keep our mind on and attuned to what Paul is really saying in here because these sentences are so long that we need to break them down and we kind of lose sight of what Paul was saying. Yes, these are things that we need to do. Yes, absolutely, because that God is doing it in, in us. But the question needs to be asked again, is that the way we pray? Is that what we ask God for? Or are we, are we continuing to ask God for, I don't know, you know, uh, finances and health and strength and these type of things, which are fine. But all too often, our requests are earthly, aren't they? Therefore, they here and now. I don't know about you but I'm reminded constantly especially lately I'm reminded constantly that it's all temporary everything is temporary except for God and what God has promised you is not temporary it's permanent forever and ever so it makes sense that we would pray for his steadfastness in us for his strength in us for his patience manifested in us joyously why joyously? because we know that as we are exercising that patience well we are growing and we are learning to rely on God which is the key lesson like I said from Genesis to Revelation trust God not yourself Do you notice the three key points here? Three or four. Knowing God, we mentioned that. Follow God. Lean on God. Trust God. Then the fourth, it comes with verse 12. Joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light joyously giving thanks to the Father why we will see in the next verse because he has rescued us but I'll I'll make a comment at that point but look at it again giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us Come on, brethren, you, you know as well as I do how often we find ourselves trying to work hard to please God. Well, are you, are you saying, Pastor, are you saying that it's wrong to please God? Of course not. But there are ways in which we try to please God that don't please God. Especially when we take things in our own hands and we try to do it ourselves. Notice here what it says. Who has qualified, which means empowered, authorized us? Who has done that? The Father. Okay. I talk to people, sometimes I find myself in that position too, and they say, you know, I'm qualified for this because I've done this, I've done that, I've done that. It kind of sounds like the culture of our day, the culture of the resume. You got a good pedigree, you got a good resume, you're qualified. Right? Wrong. None of that qualifies us. None of that. Look at Paul's pedigree. A persecutor of a church. Yay! Right? Yes, I'm being sarcastic. A Pharisee of Pharisees. Would you ever think that Paul would be called by God and be appointed as an apostle? You know, sometimes I make that argument when, when I had to to when I had conversations with some people that wanted to know whether I was qualified for certain things in ministry or not. And I said, Look, I'm as qualified or maybe disqualified, as Paul was. But if God is calling, who am I to say no? What am I? Nothing. But Christ in me is everything. What are you? Nothing. But Christ in you is everything, okay? Can you qualify yourself with your resume? It, it, it doesn't impress very much. Although it may be a very good one, but it doesn't impress very much. What qualifies you is God the Father who has redeemed you in Christ and has called you to serve Him and to follow Him. But qualified for what? To share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Now, much could be said about that, but much has been said. We talked about this quite a bit. That amazing inheritance that we talked about so much. It's coming up again. It's being present again. It is a source of hope again and again and again, as you read through the New Testament especially, but even in the Old Testament in in a slightly different way. God has an inheritance. It's yours. God has given that inheritance to you. It's yours. It's a gift. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. There is no way you could ever deserve that. There is no way you can ever earn that. But God has given it to you freely. Yeah. And in Jeremiah, God makes an example, makes uh, paints a scene to help you understand how silly what we do sometimes is. God says, look guys, you're hewing yourself cisterns to collect standard water and they're even cracked. They don't even hold that water. So you're wasting your work, you're wasting your effort, you're you're wasting all these things, all all this effort that you're putting in making this cisterns and at best They just collect some stagnant, putrid water. When right next to you, I have given you a fountain of living water that is given to you for free, he says. So come, drink, eat freely, abundantly, as much as you want. No strings attached, no price tag, nothing. Yes, I'll use that example again. It's almost like God has given us 10 trillion dollars. And we tell him, ah, I'm sorry, I'm busy, I have to shine this penny here. That's us, that's us, that's what we do, isn't it? That inheritance is glorious and it's amazing and it's yours a free gift from God. Verse 13 and 14. For he rescued us from a domain of darkness and transferred us into the to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Thomas sounds like Star Trek. He deemed us from one to the other. And the meaning is not all that different. He actually transferred us from one to the other He rescued us, first of all, from the domain of darkness. There's no way that you and I could ever do that. But God, who did it? God the Father, through God the Son, by God the Holy Spirit rescued us. It rescued us from a domain of darkness. Notice that in verse 12, he was talking about the inheritance of the saints in light because we've been rescued from a domain of darkness. Sounds interesting. Another sermon for another time. But transferred us, beamed us up if you want to put it that way. Right? Transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. Transferred us to the kingdom of God. So, Paul is here praying to God that the gospel may be in the Colossians' heart. That the gospel may bear fruit in their heart. A spiritual fruit, of course. Remembering that it is in Christ. In God the Father, through Christ, and by the Holy Spirit, in in whom we have redemption for the the forgiveness of sins. As we remember that, God wants us to be transformed by that reality. And to pray for one another differently. It is good news. That's the good news of the gospel. God is showing us through the Apostle Paul that what we should really pray for is the effectiveness of the Gospel in our brothers and sisters. That the truth of the Gospel may be manifest in their lives abundantly because of the presence of the Holy Spirit, because of the presence of God in them. But you know, Gospel is not a word that is unique to Christianity the term translated gospel in the Greek was used in classical Greek and it was used as the good news of victory in a battle. Are you bringing the gospel from the battlefield? Well, not the kind of gospel you're accustomed to think about. That would mean, have you bring good news of victory in the battlefield? So that's why it is a term that is very well applied to Christianity. Because gospel then means the good news of Christ's victory over Satan's sin and death. The battle is fought. The battle is won. The good news, Christ has won the battle for you. Christ has done what you could not do. And as the battle is won, you can now enjoy that communion You can now enjoy that fellowship with him that will change you, that will transform you every day more and more into the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. God bless you.
2: My heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life, and you will fill me with joy in your presence. If then you have been raised with Christ,
1: seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God.
2: May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, Lord. For you are my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountains could not climb, in desperation I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. And through the darkness your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. Work is finished. The end is written. Jesus Christ, my living hope. could imagine so great a mercy? What I could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross has fallen forever, Jesus Christ, my living hope, hallelujah, praise the Lord who set me free, Sealed the promise, your buried body began to breathe out of the silence. The roaring lion declared the grief has no claim on me. Then came no the morning that sealed the promise you e
1: created us and even more wonderfully restored us grants that we may participate in the divine life of him who humbled himself to